Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. Hallelujah, Father, in this most gloriously holy atmosphere. We surrender the service to you now, the rest of it, the word, O oh God. And we thank you, Father. This is the time of Pentecost. It's going to be a time like never before. This is 2021, O oh Lord. It is the year of the Pentecost, O oh Lord. We expect it of you. We ask it of you. And we declare this year, Pentecost, will be the best one ever. And if you agree, lift your faith and say, Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Yes. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. If somebody can just bring me some water, please, I will appreciate it. Thank you, Marie. You know what the Bible says about giving somebody a glass of water, a prophet's reward. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good evening, everybody. Yeah, you never expected this one. Look how holy you are. It's like, yes, we expected it. No, you didn't. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> so this morning, um, and, and I think I can share this because it's a testimony. You know, I'm going to talk to you about the true purpose of Pentecost. The true purpose of Pentecost. Because this is my 38th Pentecost, and you can see it, I think. You know, I recorded a, a series that, thank you, Marie, I recorded a series uh, for the Bible school in 2007, I think, and I re-recorded now. So I just went to my old uh, DVDs to have a look at it and so on. And while I was recording, I didn't look at my now recordings. So I wanted to check up something in my recording uh, of where I was before I start the next one. I walked into Elisa's office there, and I thought to myself, who's that old man there? That really gave me a shock from somebody with hair, brown hair, by the way, not much here, but anyway, yeah, uh, to this gray-haired woman. That's like, there is like, really? Anyway, none of you can identify with that. So. so, the reason I want to talk to you about the testimony of this morning is because we need to learn to just exercise our ears to hear better from the Holy Spirit. Anybody? You know, He always speaks to us, but we don't always hear what He really is saying to us. We sometimes get a little bit of it, but not much. So I'm going to tell you, this morning, quarter to three, the Holy Spirit woke me up. And I got this in my spirit. Maud's going to ask me to preach today. So immediately I thought this morning, and I went into intercession mode in that early cold morning. Because I tell you one thing, you don't get up here if you haven't prayed and if you don't know what you want to say. George, amen. So I was praying. And I eventually thought, okay, there's no telephone call coming, so... Maybe I just heard wrong. And this afternoon, Maud said to me, Tiens, as she says, Harold wants you to take the service tonight. So, hmm. you see, I heard, but I didn't hear. Do you get what I'm saying? Let me explain it more clearly. And there's a lesson for you here. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is talking to you now. And you'd better do this, times this, times this, times this. Because it can cost you if you miss him. Anybody? And it can be costly if you miss him. So, one morning, I was that Sunday supposed to preach. So the Friday morning, no, the Saturday morning, in the night, I dreamt. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in a vision. And he showed me the whole thing in color how my father's car was stolen at the library in Krugersdorp, and how he found me, and I had to come and pick him up. And he put his hand on my leg, and he said to me, I never expected this to happen. So I went to the prayer meeting that was in Randfontein. I had the church there, and we prayed together. And I told one of my friends there, and I said, this is what I dreamt. 
But now listen to me, child of God. This is not my sermon, but I'm teaching you something. I did everything. I bound that spirit. I bound the devil. I cut off the curse. I canceled everything. Came to the office. Started my preparation for my sermon here. The phone rang. Something terrible happened. Can you please come and fetch me? At the Krugersdorp Library, my car's been stolen. I cannot tell you what went through my emotions. Now listen to me. I heard, but I didn't hear. Because there was one more thing I needed to do, and that was to say to my dad, whatever you do, don't go to Krugersdorp today. So child of God, you watching via the internet there, those in the audience, when you get something from the Holy Spirit, number one, don't make light of it. Give attention to it, give ear to it, listen. But then ask God, now, what must I do about it? Because you see, we are Pentecostals and Charismatics and we know all things. And we tell God, uh-huh, come on, you're so holy. We tell God how he must answer our prayers. Oh, you're very, very holy. Anybody? Oh, has one hand at least. I'm trying to tell you that we need to exercise these ears when the Holy Spirit speaks, my dear brother and sister. We need to exercise it. So here I am asking you a question. What has the Holy Spirit said to you about Pentecost 2021? What has he told you? What have you been dreaming about? Where's even, do you have an expectation or don't you even have an expectation? Why do I say that? Because it's covert. It's corruption. And I want to add another C, it's cancer. Oh, how I hate those three C's. We are so occupied. We are so burdened. We are so troubled by these things that I am afraid we might miss Pentecost. Just go through the motions. It's going to be another Pentecost. Oh, I've got news for you. That's not God's heart, my dear brother and sister. God's heart for us is a revival. God's heart for us is a breakthrough. God's heart for us is to be lifted up. God's heart for you is good. It's good. But what do we have? Are we here? Pentecost cloths are going to be dished out. Pastor Harold will preach and so. No. I want you, when you leave this place tonight, to say, this year, Pentecost is going to be my, the song we just sang, sang, breakthrough. It's going to be my breakthrough year. I'm receiving it. I'm taking it. I'm declaring it. And I'm opening my ears. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? More than 2,000 years ago now, something happened in the upper room. The Holy Spirit was poured out. And listen, a gift, a gift, something you cannot buy, something you cannot earn, a gift was given to us. Oh yes, John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave, gave, gave a gift, his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We received that gift. But you know that Jesus went up to heaven and he promised us another gift, the helper, the Holy Spirit. And when we, when we are in this time, we should remember the gift, the Holy Spirit that was poured out in us to empower us for times such as this. You know, this afternoon I sat and I, I just thought, we all have got somebody that we bought gifts for. Now, when you have children, particularly little ones, you give a lot of thought, you know, because you always buy the presents for your children that you never got when you were small. So, you know, that's true. So, uh, I, I always go in there and I think, oh, I really would have loved that. So, I buy it. But, you know, 
the children are different. Have you seen Christmas time? We overload our children with presents. Now don't look so holy, it's true. They get this from Opa, from Oma, from this, from that, from that, from that, and eventually the child is so bewildered because it's just this heap of paper and toys all around. But here's the thing. When you, when you buy a gift for somebody, you should put effort into it. You should think about what you're giving. God the Father gave the gift of the Holy Spirit, and He thought, and He thought, and He thought, and He gave the best He could ever give, wrapped up in the best gift paper, and He delivered it to us as a gift. Now, how many of you know you give that child that whatever, maybe the truck, and it's all wrapped up in plastic, and these days they put screws in the bottom and, and whatever else. You give the child the gift, and have you seen what they do? The little face light up and they tear the paper and they see this gift that they received. And what do they do? They put the gift one side and they play with the wrapping. Come on. And if they're a little older, they take that gift and they play with it and they brrrr. Two days later, the thing lies in the rain and the sun and the dogs eat it up and all your money is gone. What do we do with the gift of the Holy Spirit? I must be very honest with you, and now I'm going to be as brutally honest as I can be, and forgive me, but I have to say it. I cannot watch, I cannot stand to watch most of these TV programs, so-called religious programs anymore, because of what people do with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not everybody, of course but too many to my liking. It's a toy. It's become something like Pastor Harold said this morning, that people boast in themselves about, you know, all this. Listen, I tell you one thing, when I see showmanship, I shut down. I cannot stand it. So, the Father sent the gift of the Holy Spirit the first lesson I ever learned in my life in a Pentecostal church as I walked in, the pastor's wife sat me down and she said to me, I just want to tell you two things. Number one, the Christian walk is not as easy as everybody makes it out to be. It's not a magic wand that you just do this with and everything is right. It's hard. And the second thing she told me, and I'm so grateful for those lessons, as she said, it's not about feelings. Too many people are emotionally charged when it gets to the Holy Spirit and the person and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not about feelings. It's about the truth that will set us free. Hallelujah. So the book of Acts is all about this gift that was given to us and how it affected people's lives. Oh, and I tell you one thing, there's two. The Old Testament for me is very hard to read, I must be very honest. And I thank God I'm not living in the Old Testament. I think I would have been stoned or dead or something. Judged, the earth would have swallowed me in or something. Thank God for the New Testament and grace and mercy. Anybody? Equality, not in the worldly sense. But if I listen to how women have been treated in the Old Testament, ladies, hallelujah, you can give God a hallelujah shout. You're in the New Testament, praise God. So the book of Acts is the other one. Of all the New Testament books, the book of Acts really upsets me in a good way. Because when I read it, I ask myself, Father, you have not changed. Why are we not like that? It's painful. So Luke wrote the book of Luke, the gospel, and then the book of Acts. And I just want to show you here, by the way, I don't refer to the book of Acts as the Acts of the Apostles. I refer to it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because it's the book about the Holy Spirit using the apostles. So the Luke, Luke's gospel, speak of it, it starts basically with Jesus and what he began to do. And then it ends with the ascension. 
the book of Acts tells us the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit then worked through people to achieve his goal. Oh my, 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 when last did you walk down the street and your shadow healed somebody, my dear brother, sister, you out there? Come on, is that upsetting us in a good way? Uh-huh. Come on, when last did we take somebody by the hand and say, sovereign gold, I do not have, but what I have in the name of Jesus, rise up. I bury far too many people, I tell you. Now it's very quiet. That's why I hate that cursed thing. I lost five people in one month due to cancer. I hate it. Like God hates it. Jesus came to die for our sins, Luke tells us. But Acts tells us that the Holy Spirit now lives in us so that we can live. Book of Luke tells us about the crucified and the risen Savior. The book of Acts is the giver of the gift. In the Gospels, we hear about his teachings. In the book of Acts, we see and experience the power of the Holy Spirit in ordinary people like you and I. Nothing shall be impossible for us. But I ask you, as the Holy Spirit asked me, what's your expectation? What's your expectation? Do you have an expectation? And by the way, this is just running up to Pentecost. The real thing is coming from Sunday to next Sunday. Do you want, honestly, the fullness? But before you answer, check your heart. Do you really want the fullness of Pentecost to operate in your life? Don't raise your hand because I'm going to add this. It's also going to cost you. Not the cost for the Holy Spirit, but the cost of being obedient to the Holy Spirit. That's it. You see, God is not in the game of making our lives comfortable. If you have that mindset, you're wrong. Go and read your Bible. We preach the first half of Hebrews 11, but we seldom preach the second half. Sorry. The second half and Hebrews 12, the first few verses, tells us it's hard. Yes, with God we will go through. But if I ask you tonight, and I'm serious here, I'm serious. If I ask you tonight, how many of you are really, really ready to die as a martyr for Christ? Don't put up your hands. Because when you face the firing squad, when you let up the gallows, it's a different story. You see, we've got enough faith to live by, but do we have enough faith to die by? I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me. You can answer for yourself. What I am saying is, I'm trying to bring a wake-up call. It's Pentecost 2021, and it's going to be the best one ever. I, you already gave the Lord a praise of, and you don't have to do it again. But I tell you, it is going to be the best. When the enemy comes in like a flood, as we see it now, and if you have not seen the enemy come in like a flood lately, something's wrong. The enemy comes in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against it. That Holy Spirit standard, who is it? What is it? It works through you and I. Take a stand and say, this is it. I'm not going to allow the devil to take territory anymore in Jesus' name. So Acts 1 verse 8, the scripture we all like to quote, because you know Christians love power. People love power, Acts 1 verse 8, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Oops, my what? Witnesses. You see, the problem is, 
If you preach a glory, glory, hallelujah message that makes everybody feel good, you get all the hallelujahs. But if you ask Christians to do something, never mind, go and die for Jesus. It's another story. 200 million Christians at the last count. 200 million Christians, brothers and sisters at the last count, right now are facing death and persecution for the sake of Jesus Christ. We're here. We still have freedom. And we have to use it to get the message to others that still do not know it. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Witnesses there is martus, martyrs. And Pastor Harold so beautifully pointed it out when he taught us the word does not only mean to die for Christ, but also to live a sacrificial life for him. Living a sacrificial life for him. I don't know your circumstances, dear brother and sister. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're up to. I don't know your working circumstances, your families, etc. But this I can tell you. I know of very few people in South Africa that are persecuted for their Christian stance. Very few. You might get a little bit of persecution, but that's not it. So, the word witness is mentioned more than 30 times in the book of Acts. Now that should tell you that it's important. The Holy Spirit's purpose and the purpose of Pentecost and the purpose of the outpouring of His Holy Spirit is for us to have the strength to stand up for Jesus and to testify and to be a witness. My question simply is this, is do we witness? Do we testify? You know, last Sunday I got up here and I gave a testimony about the handkerchief that I laid on that lady. It actually stirred so many people in a good way. Pastor, I also want that and so on and so on and so on. The moment you open your mouth and you give a testimony, something happens to the hearers. Because you cannot testify if you're lying. People will know it. They'll feel it with a stick. But if you stand and you testify about something that you experienced, the Holy Spirit will use that and the hearts of people will be unlocked. We need to open our mouths and begin to testify. Not only about the saving grace of Jesus, but also about the good things he's done for us. Because in this audience tonight, there are people, and out there there are people that maybe need to hear your testimony. But you're keeping it quiet. Why? Here it is. If you pray and I challenge you, try it. I challenge you, try it. Oh, I challenge you. <laughs> if you say, Holy Spirit, tomorrow, Give me an opportunity to bring a testimony. The Holy Spirit will bring that opportunity. I tell you, it's the truth. God needs you. You see, Christ alone can save the world. But Christ cannot save it alone. Let that sink in. Christ alone can save the world, but Christ cannot save it alone. He needs us as the vehicles. Where is he living right now on the inside of you and I? Where is his mouth? Where is his ears, his eyes, his hands extended to others? He's living in us and he wants to work through us by the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you surrender, to surrender. Oh, I sing that song sometimes so hard. I surrender all. Maybe I'm talking to a different audience here. You all seem to be so surrendered. Isn't it? 
I'll never forget there in Westville, the Holy Spirit one night woke me up. It was very cold, very early in the morning, and he said, I want you to now go to such and such a hospital, Addington Hospital there, to go and pray for so-and-so on that floor and blah, blah, blah. I tell you, then it's like, no, Lord, surely, you know, when it costs us surrender, when it costs us, listen to me, and I don't have a nice way of saying that in English, but it costs me sometimes to make a fool of myself so that Christ can have his way in and through me. Hallelujah. Are we witnesses? If not, why not? You know, Matthew 12 verse 34 says, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is on the inside of us that will come out when the Holy Spirit pressed that button? Jesus said, and oh, I love this scripture, and you must mark it, write it down, do something with it. I'm going to read it. John 15, verse 26 to 27. John 15, verse 26 to 27. And I want you to find it. I'm going to read from the New King James. John 15, that wonderful chapter, from verse 26 to 27. Now listen, you say to me, Pastor Tians, but you don't know me. I'm not the kind of person to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm not one that find it easy to talk to whatever. Here's the secret. If you're surrendered and it is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you, this scripture comes into operation. John 15 verse 26. But when the, the what? The helper. The what? The helper. Oh, Sunanti Lambanumai. The Holy Spirit comes and he takes hold together with you against whatever is opposing you. He helps you. But then the help, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Okay, stop right there. Pastor, I cannot talk. I want to go as far as to say Jesus does not even want you to talk. You just as a surrendered vehicle, open your mouth by the invitation of the Holy Spirit, prompted by him because you prayed yesterday, give me an opportunity, and the helper will speak through you and testify through you. You can give God praise for that one. He will testify using my lips and my vocal cords. This is mind-blowing. All he wants is for you to say, yes, Lord, here am I. Use me. And you open your mouth, and the words are given, and he testifies through you, helping you as a surrendered vessel. Verse 27. And you also will be a witness, because you have been with me from the beginning, speaking to, to the disciples there. Revelation 12, verse 11. Oh, Maud said something this morning that really, really triggered me when she said she could never imagine how the, whole, how the Antichrist would be able to, to um, manipulate the masses. Listen, we are in a time that no other uh, world population ever had. Circumstances of, yes, there was pestilence and there was pandemics, etc., etc. But if you really, really look at it through spiritual eyes, you will see the platform being set and prepared for a very, very dangerous time. And I don't want to be negative. And I pray that Jesus will come and fetch us very soon before that happens. But this I want to say to you, that this is Mickey Mouse compared to what is to come on this planet. We need to pray. But we also need to be ready. 
Because if you're at a place where they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony in which book? Revelation. Speaking of a time where you will have to stand and even at the cost of your own life, you will have to testify about Jesus Christ in the face of antichrist spirits. How prepared are we? If you want to overcome, you've got to learn to testify, allowing the Holy Spirit to do it from the inside out. Testimony as a witness, it's the same thing. What have we experienced that we can share with others? What do you have in your life that you can share with others? Don't hold back. Pray that the Holy Spirit will give you the opportunity. And then you will even turn that into a, uh, um, what you call it, a salvation opportunity. So that you can speak to people about their condition of their souls. This word witness is kerygma in the, in the Greek. And it means a public announcement dealing with a matter of great importance. Now what is of greater importance than eternal life? That is why we need to learn to witness. That's why I said I challenge you. I challenge you. Just make one prayer and say, Father, in this next week, every day, I'm going to pray and give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity. I'm the first to raise my hand. And I know God's heard it already. Give me an opportunity. And I tell you, he will bring opportunities that will blow your mind, figuratively speaking. And then there will be an effect on the hearers when I testify, but we have to be completely obedient to the Holy Spirit. You know, um, I want you to go to Mark 16, verse 20. Because now you've surrendered, now comes another word into play. And that word is obedience. We need to learn obedience. Mark 16, verse 20, right there at the end of the book. We see here the disciples went out. Why did they go out? Because they had a commission. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. We have a commission. You might say, Pastor Tians, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a teacher, I'm not an evangelist, I'm nothing of that. I'm just an ordinary Christian. You have a commission from the Father. Go therefore and make disciples. And by the way, disciples is not asking people to say the sinner's prayer with all respect. It is a lifetime commitment to somebody to walk a road with them through thick and thin and to hold on to their rope. Even if they want to let go, you hold on. So they went out, meaning they were obedient. Have we been obedient? Are we going out? Or are we just going to work? <laughs> we need to say, here am I. These feet are your feet. Let them walk where you want me to walk. Oh, I've got testimonies upon testimonies of that. When I dare to say to the Holy Spirit, here am I. He will lead your feet in a place and the testimonies will come like that. Now, I know many of you listening to me live that lifestyle. But can we do better? I say we do better. Yes, we can. So, and they went out in obedience to the command, of course, and preached. They gave testimony and they decreed. They didn't also, they didn't talk only, but they also acted. They did something. So they went out and preached everywhere. Where? Everywhere. That means the shopping center, the filling station, the school, the workplace, wherever they preached, everywhere. The Lord, hallelujah, working with them. Come on. Helping you, testifying through you, working with you. And confirming the word. Listen, if I pray for somebody and they're not healed, it's not my problem. It's God's problem. I just did what he told me to do. So I long ago learned not to defend myself when somebody is not healed. I give it to the Lord. And I'm talking out of painful personal experience as I'm standing here right now. 
So, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Honestly, honestly, seriously. How many of you tonight give just a little bit more thought about the fact that we don't by a long shot see enough signs and wonders? Come on. Seriously. Okay, I've got about 10%. I ask how many of you are so happy and satisfied with the miracles you live with every day that you can't do any better? Don't. Luke 9 verse 23. And then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, ooh, let him deny himself. It's no longer I who live. Let him deny himself and e take up his cross and follow me. I told you, God wants to use all of us, but it's going to cost us total surrender. Deny yourself. Deny your own luxuries and the happiness and the niceness, if I can call it that, of your life. And then take up your cross. Galatians 2 verse 20. The foundation scripture of my life. And I am so desperately trying to live up to that. But at least I'm trying. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Then who lives? Christ in me. And the life I now live. I live by faith. New King James in Old King James, by faith of the Son of God, which is correct. You see, if I don't live anymore and Christ lives in me, he will do the work. That's how easy it is. And I'm checking my life often and I'm saying, Tiens, how many rooms in this house does not belong to the Lord yet? Surrender. Get it. Give it over. Give it over. I want to read you something. Bo Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. How many of you have ever seen the Jesus film? Okay. That's something that you can maybe find on YouTube or wherever and watch it. It is just still one of the best films ever made um, for an evangelistic tool. They originated, they made that. Bo Bright, the founder of Campus, Christ, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. Somebody asked him, how did you know that God called you? Now, you know, when I read this this afternoon, I was thinking of young people sitting more or less there, it seems, and some of you over here, disguised. <laughs> young people, I was thinking to myself, how many of you wonder, did God give me any form of a calling? Is there anything of my, for my life that I can do for him? So somebody asked Bill Bright this, and he said, it's the most important thing that you can do is to surrender your life to the Lord completely. Now, you've got to go and think what that means. But in my book, it means I no longer live, but Christ lives. Okay? So, he and his wife got together. They drew up a contract. And they said, Father, we want you to use us a contract. They wrote it out. We want you to use us. So we surrender everything we are and everything we have. Take it. Take it. Now, you know what's going through your thoughts right now. Shoo, am I really ready to let go of that and that? And what if it takes that and this and that and whatever else? I have to remind myself Painfully so. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be brutally transparent with you right now. Brutally. Crucify me if you want to. I'm dead in any case. We're having a battle for my youngest daughter, her health. And this afternoon when I got home, she had one of the most severe attacks, arrows, shot at her. Here I am, Pastor Tiens Blum, and I'm not going to say anything further. 
But I remembered this afternoon, there came a time where I stood in Nepal in the foothills of the Himalayas and I had to give that child to God as Abram had to give his Isaac. I cannot take her back. It's God's problem. Have you surrendered everything? So they did this. Within 24 hours, God provided everything they needed for that ministry. Now that should encourage you. You see, as long as you hold on to something, God is hands off. But the moment you let go, God is hands on. And the ram will be in the bush behind you. Can you give God glory in advance for your breakthrough? Come on. For your breakthrough. For your breakthrough. For your breakthrough. I'm going to come in for a landing because I see this time is now going in a direction. I'm just going to read the scriptures for you. You can make notes of it. John 8 verse 31, if you make notes. John 8 31. You are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings. If you keep obeying my teachings. John 8 31. John 14 verse 21. Those who obey my commandments, John 14, 21, who obey my commandments are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will reveal myself to each one of them. You see, if you want God to reveal himself to you, you've got to surrender and walk in obedience. No other way. Verse 23 of John 14, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone, I want to say says that he loves me, but it says here, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. In other words, obedience. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. How desperate are we, my brother and sister? How desperate are we for a Pentecost like no others? We've got to deal with surrendering and walking in obedience on a new level altogether. Then he will come and live with us. Imagine that. It's the purpose of Pentecost. Peter is an example, and I'm not going to go in, but you can go read about him. He denies Jesus. Then he becomes so desperately depressed that he says, I'm going back to fishing there at the end of John and um, he goes back to fishing and the other disciple says, listen, yeah, we're coming with you. The lot of them depressed because Jesus died. Couldn't see the big picture. In other words, they saw, but they didn't see. We hear, but we don't hear. And only those that have ears and eyes to hear and to see will hear what I've just said and see what I've just meant. And then we see him after he met Jesus and he knew that he was forgiven. How gloriously his life changed. And he was filled with boldness. He could stand in the face of anybody and speak to them. The results will be amazing. Paul is the same. These people, the apostles in the book of Acts, got results. Why? Because they took extraordinary measures. Are we just going to ease through Pentecost? Or are we going to say, even if I have to fast? Even if I have to pray through the night, no matter what, I am desperate for a Pentecost like never before because the world needs it out there. They were in total dependency, totally surrendered, and their willingness was filled and filled with zeal. Now, I want to say this from this side. They're in the mother's room. Everybody, I'm going to try and see if I can somehow just catch you. Imagine what will happen if one person, one person in this audience tonight and out there, one person says, I surrender. I'll walk in obedience. Holy Spirit, create opportunities for me. Then you will help me. You will testify through me 
you will do it. Bill Bright said, where is it? I live by this scripture. Philippians 2 verse 13. Listen. For it is God who both wills and does what is well-pleasing to him through me. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Come on. What does he need? Surrendered vessels. Crucified vessels. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives. Not me. Nothing of me. Here am I, Lord. Use my mouth, my hands, whatever. Child of God, one person in this audience, I tell you now, one person that says, here am I, Lord. Use me. Do it. Young people, can you imagine that there sits a Reinhard Bonker, a Billy Graham, a Catherine Kuhlman, a whoever else, a Harold Weitz in this room, just waiting. Listen, by the Spirit of God I speak, just waiting for you to say, here am I, Lord, I'm sold out. That's all. Catherine Kuhlman said, I can take you to the very spot that Catherine Kuhlman died. It's no longer she who lives, I who live, but Christ. Benny Hinn asked Maggie, Catherine's closest confidant, what was the secret to her success? And she said, the Lord God said, I can trust Catherine because she's not alive anymore. Where are we? I want to read one more scripture in closing, and that is, I want you to hear this. This is in Acts 4, verse 29 to 31. And I'm going to read it very slowly. Because the time we're living in is dangerous. Right now, I'm hearing that they're, I don't know if you even know about it, George, but they're talking about a new marriage act that is an abomination in the sight of God. I'm giving back my marriage license if that thing comes in, I tell you now. People can go and get married at the marriage registry like in other countries, and we'll do a lovely ceremony for them. But I want nothing to do with that thing that they're busy concocting there. We're living in dangerous times. Acts 4 verse 29 in closing. Now Lord, look at their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Testify. By stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs, hallelujah, anybody? And wonders, hallelujah, may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled were shaken. Hmm, there's coming a shaking. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to add again. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Father, may you give that tonight something would have happened in the hearts of every hearer. Lord, this is not a glory, glory, hallelujah message. This is not the kind of message that stroke people's ears. It is a call to duty. It is a call to surrender. It is a call to die. It is a call that we will become fruitful as kingdom citizens. Father, I want to ask that if there's anybody in this audience tonight, we obviously cannot, cannot give an invitation and lay hands on them. But your spirit is everywhere, oh God. 
Lord, if there's anybody in this place tonight that here on the Sunday evening before Pentecost really starts, say with me, Pastor Tians, I make serious effort and I take note of what you've said. And here I am, I report for duty. I'm going to work on it through this week. I'm going to see that I surrender every area of my life. God, you help me crucify my old self and then live for Christ. If that's you, don't stand because other people stand. But if that's you, stand with me in agreement that we're gonna do it. Just pray that the Holy Spirit help you and stand in agreement and say, we report for duty. Here am I, Lord. Use me. I want to be an instrument of your glory. Now I sense the Holy Spirit coming upon you wherever you are. And I release upon you the strength to crucify, the strength to surrender, the strength to be obedient in Jesus' name. Father, from my right to my left, from the front to the back, and I extend my hand over there into that TV screen. Those standing in Canada, I see you. Those standing in Europe, I see you. Those standing in England, I see you. Those standing and watching this thing at a later stage and saying, Pastor Tians, yes, Australia, I see you, albeit you'll only watch it later. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I release upon this audience, the strength, the capability, the ability in Christ, not in themselves, to see this through. And Father, we commit the rest of the Pentecost services to you. Bless Pastor Harold in this week of separation. Bless him, O oh God, with supernatural visitations upon visitations and that there will be a hedge of protection around him and his wife and their family and that property and everything that they have and are. Also around this church, a hedge of protection that the devil will not come to kill, to steal, to destroy. But Jesus, that you will bring life and life in abundance. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.